This commodity commentary is brought to you by Coron Metra. Now is the time to consider Coron Metra for your farm. Coron Metra is a foliar fertilizer that provides growers a safe, efficient, controlled release nitrogen source by combining Coron with ENC formulation technology. Contact your Helena representative to see if Coron Metra is right for your farm. Welcome to FieldLink. I'm your host, Bill Smith. On this episode, we're going to become more corn-wise, bean-wise, and cotton-wise as we sit down with two Helena brand managers to discuss in-season applications. Coron brand manager Jason Gregory will teach us about foliar applications of Coron Metra and how it can enhance yields for your 2023 crop. Plus, fungicide and insecticide brand manager Tony Lawrence shares some valuable insight on how growers can protect the yield potential from unwanted diseases and insect pressure this year. Plus, we catch up with Jody Lawrence as he breaks down the latest crop progress report from the USDA. Finally, make plans to join us in Memphis, Tennessee on July 18th for the Innovation Expo held by the Helena Products Group. Growers will get an insider preview of the latest in technology and in innovation to help maximize profits on your farm in a sustainable manner. We'll feature biologicals, water management tools, seed treatments, herbicide pipelines, fertility solutions, and precision technology from the Agri-Intelligence team. Plus, we'll gain valuable grain market insight from Jody Lawrence and check out the latest equipment from KSIH. Be sure to reach out to your Helena representative today to get your VIP ticket. Now, on to this episode of FieldLink. Joining me here on this episode of FieldLink is uh, Jason Gregory. Jason is a brand manager for the Coron Brands and Nutritionals. Jason, welcome to FieldLink. Glad to be here, Bill. Awesome. Also joining us in the uh, FieldLink studio today is Tony Lawrence. He is the brand manager for seed treatments, fungicides, and insecticides. Tony, also welcome to FieldLink. Thank you, Bill. I'm looking forward to today. Awesome. Well, before we deep dive, guys, it's in season right now. You know, we're approaching early July here very shortly uh, when we drop this episode. Uh, corn is growing, soybeans are growing, cotton's growing. Uh, it is in season. And today we're going to talk a little bit about the importance of nitrogen as well as nutritionals and how to protect those plants with fungicides. But before we dive deep into those topics, uh, Jason, you're pretty new to the Helena Products Group as it relates to being a brand manager. Tell us a little bit about you. Yes, sir. Well, he said it first. I don't know if you noticed that, Tony. He said when he introduced Jason, he said, a brand manager. And when he introduced Tony, it was the brand manager. So so I, junior brand manager here. JR, just, uh, we'll yes, call sir, you, right? That's right. Yeah. No, excited to be here. Just moving to uh, Memphis um, from uh, South Carolina. I was a product manager for eight years in uh, the Southeast Division for South Carolina and, and uh, about half of Georgia. Um, did that for eight years. Before that, I was actually a, a sales representative for Helena in, in Maysville, South Carolina. And then before that, uh, was in Agri-Intelligence for a little while in, uh, in a little uh, Waynesboro, Georgia. So i uh, been with Helena for 11 years now and uh, love when this role came open at Helena, uh, at, well, within Memphis, love Coron. Can I tell you, you won't find a bigger fan of Coron in the entire company probably. So the minute that this role came open, I raised my hand really, really high and said, hey, I want to I talk to you all about this one. So, so excited here to talk about Coron and some of our other nutritionals as well. Awesome. Well, uh, Jason, actually, uh, it's great to have you uh, here on FieldLink to learn more about Coron and, and the importance of that product and how it can really help out growers today. Uh, also, jo- uh, Tony, a little bit about you. Uh, you're you're a native of where? Well, as you listen to me speak, you'll notice I've got a, a little accent. I'm originally from Southern Africa. And I thought it was Southern Louisiana. Well, a lot of my heart is in South Louisiana. Okay. Uh, I love the Cajun food. I actually went to LSU. But I, I've been at Helena for five years as brand manager. Really enjoy what I do. Um, it's exhilarating. That's awesome. Well, uh, Tony, definitely a very well-experienced uh, individual here joining us in the FieldLink studio today. And we're definitely going to talk about fungicides and some of the other products that you represent today. But guys, you know, as I mentioned in the opening, uh, 
it's go time. We're in season. Uh, you know, crops are at different stages across the North America right now. We've got things really uh, pollinating in some parts of the country. Hey, in some other parts, you know, it's a little bit dry, and uh, you know, those crops need some help uh, with some moisture. Uh, but broadly speaking, it's go time. So let's dive right into that. Let's talk a little bit about some of the life cycle things that you're seeing out there, um, uh, Jason, right now as it relates to corn and soybeans, cotton. What 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 are those plants demanding right now? Well, I tell you, uh, Bill, it, it, what, what aren't they demanding, honestly, in, in some cases? And whether you have too much moisture like we do here in Memphis yep. or whether maybe you don't you know, have quite what you want, like you do in the Midwest right now in some places. You know, that crop is still looking for some of its needs. And you want to have the strongest crop possible. You know, you're, you're going to absolutely, you can't forget the nitrogen. That's the number one thing we've got, right? But not just that, if you're talking, you know, on cotton right now, you know, our Coron products, some of them have some potassium in there. You know, and that's very, very important to the um, to the cotton crop as well throughout the life cycle. And then, you know, you talk about go time, you know, that's that kind of that transition. And we're seeing it, Tony, you know, from VT, you know, moving into uh, to tassel, you know, moving into reproductive on, on cotton and on soybeans. Hey, if, if, if that, if that uh, crop is thinking about reproductive, guess what it's thinking about? It's thinking about boron. So that's a very important nutrient to, uh, to think about right now when you hit into that reproductive stage. And, you know, we've got several different from full bore, which is our boron product with controlled release nitrogen, to some of our main Coron Metro products that have boron with it. You know, and it's, it's not just are you getting the benefit of adding nitrogen, getting that healthier plant, but also you're spiking in a little bit of boron in there to help with reproductive stage. And, and as you mentioned, boron is really critical, uh, you know, for all crops, uh, especially at this stage, correct? That's right. That's right. I tell you, I had an old, older salesperson that I learned from a long time ago, and and he was talking about some of our different crops in the South. And he said, one thing that we've noticed is that by adding boron, even if, even if the crop isn't deficient, we almost always see a yield response at that reproductive stage. Even if even if you take a tissue sample and it doesn't say, hey, I need boron, adding boron is also going to almost always get you a yield response. Well, and, and that's clearly what we're here about. It's growing yield, uh, especially as the, some of these grain markets are looking pretty good right now. Uh, we definitely need to maximize our yield. Jason, uh, tell us a little bit about you know, some of the formulation technologies that's in Coron. I mean, Coron's certainly been around a while, but... Today's Coron's not uh, your daddy's Coron, so you're, to speak. You're, you're exactly right, Bill. It's uh, Coron itself has been around 25 years. But about five years ago, we, and a lot of people are familiar with this, we added the ENC formulation technology. And, of course, the ENC formulation technology has been around for about 22 years, I believe. And, and why it took us that long to figure out, hey, we needed to add these two together, I can't tell you that. But the one thing I will tell you that when we added the ENC formulation technology, which is specifically built to help drive nutrients into the plant, also it's going to help kind of stop some of those uh, tank mix issues that you have, help mm, with that, help okay. overall efficiency and tank mix. But what that does is it helps drive your nitrogen into the plant just a little bit more even than we were seeing with our controlled release nitrogen. So you're getting a couple weeks of feeding and it's more efficient and and not, I'm telling you, through those three, four, five years of testing that we did after we added the ENC formulation sure. technology, almost always saw a yield bump over our original Coron formulation. So it's just an amazing product that we've we've been adding and playing with here for, for several years. And, and I think you'll see, you know, I don't want to prep too much, but I think you'll see us add that into more of our formulations and, and sure. uh, products coming forward because well, of that. Certainly that ENC formulation technology is a strategic advantage for Helena and the Helena Products Group. But, no uh, question. Definitely coming through with Coron. Matter. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and look, you I mean, you know, hey, we're, we're all Helena and we bleed Helena green, if you will. But, but I can tell you, a lot of people have a slow-release nitrogen product, right? Mm -hmm. But I can tell you that none of them have ENC formulation technology built into their slow-release nitrogen. And that just puts us, it really puts us a step above all of our other, you know, me too products out there. And I think that's a really great point to pull out to growers when they're looking at, you know, in-season nitrogen uh, options at, uh, uh, you know, you get what you pay for. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and with Coron Metra uh, and that family of products with ENC formulation, you're getting a little bit. No question. No question. And it's going to show up when you put that combine in the field. 
time and time again. We've seen it happen every year. So, uh, Jason, what's a great, what's the best timing to apply Coron, uh, full bore or Metra, depending upon the crops? Um, eh, broadly speaking, when's the best time to really be targeting those crops? Re- really, we like to go somewhere around the reproductive start. You know, okay. if it's in cotton, it's going to be first bloom. You know, if it's in corn, right there at VT, you can go before, seen the yield response before, seen a little bit of yield response a little bit after, but but we want to be out there right around VT on on uh, corn. And then again, same thing with the soybean crop. You want to go around that reproductive stage. So a lot of times when, when you're really, you're thinking about putting on a fungicide, I know Tony's here to talk a little bit about that. Sure. That's, that's the timing that you say, all right, let's go ahead. Let's do a fungicide. But let's also go ahead and add that coron to it. So um, I kind of like to think of it as, you know, a, a fast food meal, right? Hey, you know, that fungicide, it might be the burger, but do you ever really get a burger without fries? No, you got to have the fries, right, Tony? <laughs> Love those fries. <laughs> well, well, let's transition a little bit on that topic right to the fries, so to speak. In this case, uh, fungicides. Tony, uh, this time of year, uh, growers are thinking about fungicides. Uh, it, for many of them, it's a planned program. Um, and for some of them, you know, some growers might be thinking, especially in those drier areas right now, like, eh, maybe I don't need uh, that fungicide treatment right now. But, you know, history kind of proves that even in tough years, uh, fungicide uh, treatment can certainly reduce the stress on a particular crop. You, you know, actually, I had a, had the good fortune of speaking to Dr. Willoughby up in the NBU yesterday just to get some pointers on his thoughts. Uh, he's a smart guy, and he said, look, there are basically four principles you should think about before using a fungicide. So let me just go over the, sure. them with you. I think it'll be revealing and informative to everyone. The first is you're applying a fungicide, you're going after diseases, make sure you pick the right fungicide. There are multiple fungicide choices out there. Pick the one that does the right job on the right disease you're really concerned about. So what about moisture? And that's something you brought up. Look, in the south, we wet. We know we've got disease pressure. In the north, they kind of dry. But here's something that Greg pointed out to me that all of us should remember. You know, even if it's dry, the crops are starting to canopy. And it's more about humidity than moisture. If there's humidity, you're going to have disease pressure. If you've got a canopy, you're probably going to have disease pressure and humidity. Um, and, and I believe, and Greg believes that's one of the reasons you almost always see a response to fungicides, even in, dry, even in drier weather. So principle number one is choose the right fungicide. Look at the weather, but remember, if you've got a canopy, you've probably got humidity, you've probably got disease pressure. Number two is... Never forget about the plant health benefits. Almost all of our fungicides have got azoxystrobin built in, uh, phenomenal at inducing a response from the plants that generally is positive. Uh, so you get that plant health benefit, particularly from products like azoxystrobin. Um, and, and that's actually in three of our fungicides. The third thing is, if you're going to make a trip out over the field, make sure you don't need something else. Two things we really think you should think about. Number one is, is there some insect pressure out there? Would it be worthwhile adding something like a sultrus or a tempest to your fungicide mix? So I want you to remember that. But then the nutritional aspect is so important. Jason built it out. Would you add anything to that, Jason? Yeah, absolutely. I I agree a thousand percent with Tony, like we were talking about, whether, you know, it's the burger and the fries aspect or what. You know, if you don't mind, I'll tell a quick story. Sure, yeah. Uh, in South Carolina, we we were actually applying a, a fungicide, insecticide, and uh, and coron, and then also of course an adjuvant. And we'll, we'll hit on adjuvants in a little bit too, uh, but we were applying with a high boy in uh, in South Carolina over corn, and uh, the the salesman he gets out there to visit and watch you know what we're doing, and, and he as he's watching he's thinking man we we sure are we're, we're knocking uh, some corn down here this probably isn't a good thing right so we stopped and then we called the airplane. And the, and the, for whatever reason, we didn't have time to get the Coron over to the airfield um, because, you know, it is a little bit of a bulk product. And uh, so they just started spraying the rest of these fields without Coron. So they still put an adjuvant, you know, good quality pen, pen, Penetrator Plus. Uh, Sultris actually is what we were going out there and then a leading brand fungicide. And they flew that on minus the Coron. So then fast forward, you know, a couple months later, uh, all of a sudden our, our grower brings us a yield map. 
and we had about five or six fields there, right? Up in the north where we had sprayed with a high boy, it was real, real green. And then you get to the big field, and about half that field was real, real green, right? Green's good in yield map. And then you could even see where we cut the field in with a high boy, where it was extra dark green. And then the rest of the field, light, light green, kind of yellow. And then the smaller fields down there, light green, kind of yellow, right? And all it was was a difference of coron. And just, I mean, it was an amazing thing. Of course, he got mad at us. He said, you should have knocked down more corn and went ahead and kept spraying, you know. <laughs> well, that's a fun fact, you know, and, and I think that's a great visual that you got to experience and the power of coron metra in those kind of cases where, uh, you know, you're, you're already covering that field. Exactly. Yes. Feed it a little more nitrogen. Absolutely. It's yeah. just, I mean, Tony brought up the plant health benefits, right? And if you, if you, if you want that plant to be healthy, right, you want it to be healthy, you still need the nutrition there, right? And, and we know that nutrition, especially in our, in our, um, our later hybrids here, our, you know, our newer hybrids, they use more nitrogen and more potassium, you know, after the VT stage, after it's already tasseled more than they used to. And I can't remember the numbers. I think Doc Yarlagard, our, our older uh, national agronomist, and Derek Emmerich have talked to me about this several times. But I think it used to, it was, um, I think 79% of the end was made by tassel or used by tassel. And now it's closer to 59, if, if I remember correctly. But it's just amazing how much more that crop is using at a later stage. Yeah, so. yeah Tony. You, you know, you brought up something, a question. You, you mentioned that uh, corn drive, drives nitrogen into the leaf. Yes, sir. Would that help with fungicides? See, I, I, we believe totally that you're, you're 100% right there. You know, it, it's because it's feeding that thing over a period of a couple of weeks. And, and, and we have found that really anything that we put out there, whether it's fungicide, you know, or some other products, tends to get driven into that plant a whole lot better with Coron. There's no question. I appreciate you bringing that up, too. So. Yeah, and I think that's a great point, Tony. Uh, you know, with, with Coron feeding that plant over a period of weeks, like you mentioned, it's continuing to pull those molecules in from, from this fungicide into that plant to get it where it really needs to be. Tony, um, in addition uh, to uh, fungicides, there's lots of different fungicides. You touched on that earlier. Uh, can you kind of highlight some of the various fungicides that are out there on the market and what they do and how they protect those plants? Yeah, and, and so what I'd say is, First of all, you've got to look at the geography. Consider the geography you're in. So diseases cha- diseases probably stay the same. The intensity changes depending on the geography you're in. So if, if you're in the Midwest and you're a corn farmer, you're probably looking at a gray leaf spot, leaf blight, and then tar spot. Tar spot's the emerging problem, very difficult to control. If you've got that spectrum of diseases, we believe the best solution would be Odyssey. Odyssey is unique in the market. It's actually got three active ingredients and four modes of action. Uh, we believe if you've got tar spot plus those other diseases in the Midwest, Odyssey is probably the, the best choice you can make. Uh, we also have Viverus, which is a very good choice for, for corn in the Midwest. Now, if you move down uh, to the southern and eastern geographies, typically rust becomes more of an issue. And in that case, I probably would consider using Averis. Uh, or make, making a virus one of my choices. So that kind of covers corn. Soybeans, once again, is, is very different. Uh, if you're in the south and you grow soybeans, we can almost guarantee you're going to be faced with a challenge which is called resistance frog eye, resistant frog eye leaf spite. And it's almost impossible to control with some of the older chemistries that, that are out there. Uh, we specifically made a product called Mogul, uh, launched it last year, and, and Mogul probably is one of the best products we're aware of to help manage resistant frog eye leaf spot, plus all the other key diseases. So if you're in the south, we think Mogul's the product to go for. In the Midwest, you've got a lot of choices. Speak to your local Helena rep. Uh, we've actually got four choices for you, uh, starting with Odyssey. Uh, Mogul would be a choice. Averis 2XS would be a choice, as well as Viathon. Each of them have got a unique uh, benefit, uh, the salesman, the local salesman can tell you which will work best for you. Yeah, certainly a wide portfolio for those growers in the Midwest. And to your point uh, on frog eye in the South, uh, bringing Mogul to the market last year, uh, let's speak a little bit more about frog eye, if you would. Uh, how, how prevalent is that uh, across the, the, the South? You know, I, I would be guessing, but I would guess that probably 80% of the acres are are going to uh, and actually research documents that uh, resistant frog eye leaf spot has been found in every state in the south. 
what we've also found is it, it's moving north okay. reasonably quickly. And so certainly we see it in Kentucky, Illinois. It's been documented in Wisconsin. So clearly it's moving north. They're not quite as concerned about it in the northern geographies in the Midwest right now. But we know it's moving. We know it will be a problem at some point in the future. And, and then, great, we've got a, a great solution for that in Mogul. We've got a tool already in the tool belt for handling that particular product. That's great. Um, guys, you know, all of these products, uh, you know, it sounds like we're throwing all kinds of stuff out at, at growers and our listeners here, but all of this kind of comes together and really in one tank. Uh, and timing is everything for whether you're growing corn or cotton or soybeans uh, or other crops for that matter too. But these products all work together really well. Is that correct? Oh, no question, Bill, no question. And, and, and again, especially when we added the ENC formulation technology to, to Coron, made it Coron Metro, it made it even better, you know. Um, and, and these products work well almost no matter what your, what your water uh, um, carrier is. I mean, when okay. I say that, I mean, no, you, know, you may have some issues with water, but, I mean, you can go out, you know, at two, two gallons per acre. You know, you can go out at 10 gallons per acre if you have a high boy. So, um, so having that opportunity – to, to tank mix these without too much issue at all, you know, is a great point. Because the last thing we want to do is, is put these in a tank and be slowed down, right? Because, well, you know, when it's, like you said, it's go time. Yep. It's go time. Ta- you know? Time is money. Mm-hmm. And yes. uh, getting across those acres in a timely manner is critical, uh, you know, especially as growers are looking at, uh, you know, fuel prices uh, kind of escalating in some cases. Uh, you know, taking advantage of that one hit is a really a great opportunity. But guys, uh, between uh, you know some of the fungicides that you mentioned, and as well as you know, Coron Metra nutritionals and that sort of thing, they all do need an adjuvant uh, to help complement uh, the effectiveness of those products. Uh, what are some tips that you can give growers as it relates to adjuvants, and when we put these tank mixes together? Well, Bill, you, you, boy, I hate to say. Sometimes you've got to decide, all right, you know, what am I looking to do? Right. You know, um, could it could it be, um, am I going out with a low-volume water? You know, am I going out with more water? Um, do Does my water have issues? Do I have hard water? Uh, do I have a high pH? Because a high pH could, could cause some issues with some things. Of course, sure. opposite of low pH could, too, as well. But, see, you almost have to ask your question, you know, what am I trying to do uh, first? But one thing I'd say is you want to make sure that you're going to get good quality Spreading would be the number one thing, especially as we, you know, when we talk reproductive, a lot of times, you know, that could be going out with a plain on corn, right? Even some on, on uh, soybeans and cotton, right? So we want we want to get something that's going to help it get into the plant or get down to the plant, get into the canopy and get that proper coverage, right? And then then we get an opportunity where these things can go to work. You know, one, and and I know you've had Johnny Roberts on the uh, sure on the show before. Johnny hit hit something home for me one time. When you're talking an insecticide, right? And, and, and we're gonna we know that we're probably gonna put an insecticide if we're going out there anyway, right? Um, in the South, you you almost have to. Sure. But when you talk insecticide, the amount of active that's in that insecticide that you're spreading across an acre is about the mass of a nickel. Mm. So if you're spreading that across an entire acre of field, it's very very important to spread that as much and as far as you can along that crop and down into that canopy and get it where everything needs to go. So, you know, we've got, and again, this would be something that I have to say, like I heard Tony say earlier, you, you need to consult your local head on the salesperson and sales representative to, uh, to help you decide, you know, what, what challenges, what obstacles am I facing? What, what's going to be my best answer for this? Yeah. Particular spray. And, and, and that's a great point, Jason. There's so many adjuvants out there that are in the Helena portfolio and that are well-proven, that tank mix well with these products, uh, you know, Sidewinder being one. And there's there, there's a dynamic. There's, there's multiple products out there. And a lot of those are designed based on geography, based on temperature. And there's a whole lot to dive in. That, and that's a whole other episode Absolutely. in itself. But I think the take-home point here is growers really need to consider and not forget the adjuvant in the tank. When when approaching a coron as well as a fungicide or insecticide application during that uh, during that investment, there's no question. I mean, for the investment you're making in the fungicide and the coron and the coron metro and the insecticide, I, I mean, you're just talking just a, a few pennies on the dollar to 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 add, you know, a good quality adjuvant and make that make that tank work the best that it's going to. Yeah, you're, you, at the end of the day, you're you're investing in that adjuvant. F- 
to extract the entire value out Absolutely. of those crops. Yeah. No question. Um, Tony, uh, back to you a little bit. Um, what, what are you picking up as it relates to uh, fungicide applications on soybeans right now? You know, uh, timing there, we take a look at some of the soybean crops. Uh, what, what's important for growers to consider when looking at soybean uh, fungicides? Uh, you know, I defer to the uh, to our salesmen in the field. They know what farmers really need. But this it's getting very close to application time where you consider fungicides. Jason mentioned it. It's the reproductive phase, so R1, R2. Um, if you've got a canopy forming, remember you, you're creating that, that micro-humidity environment. Mm-hmm. You've probably got disease pressure. Um, you know, uh, our tests certainly prove that a fungicide pays – in many situations, and certainly encourage you to uh, to consider consulting with your health salesperson, see which fungicide works best for you in your geography. Yeah, I appreciate that, Tony. And you bring up a great point. Let's talk about some of the testing and results for some of the prop, products that we talked about today uh, on the show. Um, Jason, as it relates to Coron Metro, what kind of results or returns are growers experiencing? Uh, I know that's a loaded question, uh, but whether it be corn or cotton, what can growers typically experience from that? That—that that is a very loaded question. Sure. Um, you, you know, I, golly, through the years, I'll say um, let's start with cotton because you know sure. that's probably one of my favorite sure. crops. Being from the southeast, is um, through the years, I, I would say honestly, we're, we're anywhere from fifty to seventy-five pounds an acre with an application of, of Coron. You know, and if cotton is at at what you know even. What is it? Sixty, seventy cents. I think it's actually eighty cents 80 right cents now. But right even now. at fifty and sixty cents, we were still seeing yeah. a return on investment with Coron. You know, so a lot of guys, even when when it had lower lower input prices, because they were wanting to get that higher yield to get as much as they could, they were still they were still hitting the Coron, uh, the Coron metra on the cotton uh, beans. You know, golly, man, beans yeah, beans is it could be anywhere from four to you know. Six, seven bushels sometimes. I've even seen sure. 10, uh, shockingly enough, uh, depending on what that crop needs and where it's at in its stage and where you are in your geography. And then corn. Boy, corn, I love corn now too. You know, uh, <laughs> yeah. that's my, that's probably my, actually it's probably my favorite crop, even though I said, I know I said cotton, but uh, corn is so fun, man. You you throw some Coron uh, Metra there at that, at that VT stage and all, all five to 10 bushels, Easy, right, right? I mean, easy. I've seen I've seen as high as eleven, twelve, you know, um, in some parts of the world, and uh, and just throwing that. And, then, and don't forget the boron as well, right. you know. Whether whether it's uh you you throw full bore in there, which we love uh, with our with one of our coron metro uh, formulations, or you buy one of our coron metro formulations that has B in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've seen tremendous yield response just adding boron. Just shockingly, just take a take a Coron Metro without without B and a Coron Metro with B, and you'll see a two to three bushel increase right there on corn. So just difference there. So um, or adding full board. I mean, you know, kind of the same thing depending on where you are. Yeah, and uh, I, like I mentioned, that's a big question: geography, timing, uh, you what that grower's doing for their uh, original. Uh, nitrogen plan and that sort of thing. But uh, when we're seeing these, eh, broadly speaking, four bushels, that kind of thing, uh, kind of, you got 25 years of research on this stuff. And, oh, no question. And, and, but, but even at, you're looking at, uh, at five, $6 corn here, that those are pretty darn good returns. No question. I mean, you're looking at, you know, easily, at, you know, three to one, uh, four or five to one return on investment. And, and to me, that's that kind of that sweet spot. Like, you know, I, I like to say, all right, if, if I can return you, Three dollars for every one you spend. I, I, that makes me pretty happy. Yeah, we'll go you to know? Vegas all the time for those kind of returns. No question, no question. I wish my retirement guy would make that kind of return <laughs> need, too. They need to work on that. <laughs> I don't know what's going on there. Uh, Tony, how about for you? You know, the fungicide. Generally speaking, what can growers experience? Eh, generally speaking, uh, for some type of a return on investment for a, using a fungicide in well corn, for example. I'd say this unequivocally. It's going to pay for itself every time, plus the the trip over the field. Um, to be honest, we kind of lost focus on testing against the untreated check sure. because we knew we would always see a significant benefit that would more than, more than pay for itself. And so when we started testing our products, products like Odyssey, Mogul, uh, we've got one for Tycoon, not, not for uh, row crops, but for specialty crops, uh, Viathan, we tested all those products 
against some of the very, very best competitors in the field to evaluate them. It wasn't really against the untreated check. We knew that was going to pay the farmer every time. Yeah, I think that's a great point. You know, for many producers, a fungicide program has just been a standard, uh, and that's great. Uh, I think uh, we growers have seen that advantage. Uh, whether you're in a in a very wet market like we are here in the mid south right now, or if you're in a dry market, as we talked about earlier, taking some of that stress off is really important. But when we're taking uh, Helena products, the Helena products group, uh, Odysseys and, and, and Viathon and some of the products that you mentioned, Tony, we're, comp- we're, we're, comp- we're putting those up against some of the industry's best out there. And, and, and we're showing great performance. Absolutely. That's how we measure ourselves. We want to be the best in the market. Uh, we feel like we have the best in the market. Um, so certainly the, uh, the research bears that out. Encourage anyone to look at our... Uh, Oh, Bill, help us out here. We actually have a training site called... Well, for our internal people, yeah, they can go to the Grow platform and and, uh, uh, learn more about some of these fungicides. We encourage them to do that. And, um, of course, all of... All of our grower listeners that are on the pot listening to the podcast can reach out to their Helena representative to get some of that data for sure. Um, but proven proven products. We're not uh, coming out with a generic. These are not generic fungicides. These are industry-leading advanced technologies that uh, growers can experience. Yeah, absolutely. And, and one thing I'd like to assure our listeners is when we look at data, it's by a third-party, unbiased approach. We don't try and manipulate the data. Uh, we really want to get uh, data that reflects uh, how we perform versus um, other products in the market. When we give these products to researchers, they get a numbered compound. They have no idea what they're getting. So we feel very comfortable about the research we publish uh, that they'll see through their sales rep uh, on, on this um, on this Helena website. Well, that's a really important uh, point uh, that you bring up there, Tony. And that's true for all the Helena products, uh, products that we bring to uh, growers farm gates that uh, they can rest assured that most of those products have been tested two, three, four years uh, by third party researchers. These are not employees of our organization or aligned with us in any other way. They are third party independent researchers. And and that's a really critical point and, and an important point for growers to understand, and they can feel very comfortable and confident when uh, putting a Helena product in their tank and spreading it across their field and trying to increase and maximize yield. Okay, guys, um, as we kind of come to an end here, any any parting comments uh, uh, that you want to remind growers uh, as we get into this critical stage of uh, application uh, and growing season? You know, what I'd say is just one reminder, we've, we've spoken about this, it's a significant cost to go over your field, either by plane or high boy or some sort of application equipment. Make sure you, you put everything in the tank you need to make, make a one-shot spray out of it. In particular, I'm thinking about insecticides. Um, products like Sultras, Tempest would be great options for you. Uh, I know Jason has a number of comments around that. Oh, absolutely. You know, especially in the South, you know, you, you – well, Golly, I have to w- wash my windshield every every day on the way into work. You know, I mean, so uh, you you better be hitting the insecticide there. And then and then if you're going across that field, golly, I mean, just hey, let's throw in a gallon, two gallons of Coron Metra. You know, throw in a little boron. I mean, if if that plant is thinking about reproductive, it's thinking about boron. It really is. And so you you just want to give that crop every opportunity to succeed. And, and make the biggest return on your investment, you know, because I mean we're, we're all here to make money, right? I mean that's we 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 want we want to live, we want to eat, we want to you know make our house payment, you know, and and we want the most money left at the end of the year in our bank account that we can. And, and I think when you add your Coron Metra and your Sultras or Tempest to that tank, you, you're just you're adding that little extra shot that's going to get you a few more dollars on your investment, or in the case of, you know, insecticide, uh, protect that investment, you know, because you don't want to lose it. You don't want to put everything out there that, that, that you have or everything out there to succeed only to have, 
you know, some type of insect pressure come in and cause you issues, right? So, well, definitely uh, some great advice as we, uh, as growers across North America enter that critical stage of getting ready for reproduction, pollination, that sort of thing. Let's put these this crop into a good position to maximize yield. Hey, we've got some decent markets right now. Uh, commodity markets look pretty good. Let's take advantage of that. The way we can do that is ensuring that we're maximizing yield. Guys, I want to thank you for joining us here on this episode of FieldLink as we learn more about uh, Coron Metra, as well as some of the fungicides and insecticides that growers need to consider at this time of year. And joining us from Nashville is Jody Lawrence. Jody, three big things going on right now. We got the crop report, progress report, the USDA acreage report, and of course, weather, the big three that are impacting the markets. Welcome to FieldLink, Jody. Bill, great to be back. And yes, when the calendar turns, uh, you know, from June after the acreage report into the home stretch towards pollination, uh, so much going on. Uh, USDA reports, we'll get another one coming out Wednesday that will update uh, their uh, early yield outlook, incorporate the acreage changes that they made in the June 30th. So you get a little bit of weather impact from the drought in May and June and how much the rain has helped and how they're kind of weighing the crop conditions that came out this afternoon. So all kinds of things going on uh, this time of year, just like there always is. Yeah, Jody, let's talk a little bit about that acreage report. There were some uh, big shakeups there a little bit, Um, you know, cut cut some folks off guard. Uh, How'd those numbers turn out? Yeah, the USDA when and NAS, when they put out their June 30th acreage report, it's really the first follow-up from the February intentions report. Uh, and I would almost call the June number uh, more of an intentions, as much of an intentions report as the February, because they're relying heavily on farmer feedback, farmer data, from surveys that are filled out. They have yet to incorporate any of the county FSA or any of those numbers that are so instrumental to fine-tuning the last one. They don't use any of the crop insurance data yet uh, for who has signed up, uh, which you know has always been confusing to me. But what they did find through their surveys was that the high prices that we saw in March and April, when corn was still hovering, you know, above 580 and decisions could be made and acres could be swapped, that the U.S. farmers pushed out almost 2 million more acres, a little bit more than 2 million acres than what was expected. It was going to be up a little at the, from the February or the March intention. Uh, of, you know, about 91 to 98 or 91.8. But the USDA came in with a 94.1 million acres of corn planted this year, which means that there was nearly a uh, two and a half million acre switch uh, that came out of beans and maybe some other possible others. smaller crops into corn, which sent corn and some and the recent rains from the 625 high that we talked about the last podcast we had to we traded all the way back down under $5 the last several days. So mm-hmm. a huge swing because we've talked about this before on the podcast that I always try to gauge that for every 250 million bushels that are added or subtracted to the crop and to ending stocks, you will get a 20 to 30 cent move. And for and to get a dollar 30 move, give or take, you're talking that the in between the rain and the acreage, the USDA is thinking that there's over a billion extra bushels than where we were, gosh, just two and a half weeks ago. So a uh, lot going on there, but on the bull side, uh, they took those acres away from beans and 
beans were uh, almost exactly the four million four million acres below what everybody expected them to be. So the switch certainly where those four million acres shifted and who made that decision to do it is a little more opaque in the report to say, well, there's a big concentration in this county in our that county in Illinois. But from all of the seed people and all the salespeople who I trust far more than the people at the USDA, they did not see this acreage switch coming. They did not. Uh, the guys that look at the, you know, count bags of seed in warehouses, corn seed in particular, uh, they were scratching their head as much as anybody because they either want their bonus check to get bigger because they sold more corn seed than they uh, than their boss thought they did, or somebody uh, has got something that will work its way out later in the report. It was a big shocker to the market for sure when that report came out and it created some disruption for eh, at least a day or two. Uh, and uh, things that, like you mentioned have settled down a little bit, but uh, we're continuing to see some progress uh, as far as the cropping system across the U.S. What are you hearing out there, Jody? Well, the last two weeks have seen the most beneficial rains that this crop has seen all year after the record drought in May and June. And those rains uh, really showed up this week because the crop condition report that just popped up showed that the corn crop improved 4% to uh, 55% good to excellent. And the 4% increase, uh, the uh, pre, the the estimate of kind of the private sector was somewhere in the 2 to 3 uh, so, but still, uh, you have to take everything with a grain of salt. 55% is still the third lowest we've seen in the last uh, 37 years of these crop reports. Obviously, 2012 figures in. And I want to say it was either 98 or 2008, but I can't remember. So uh, improvement, as you would expect with the crop saving rains and you know some in the big ass states in particular but still this uh, this crop was under a lot of stress and we just don't know how much irreversible damage uh, we have heading into pollination the uh, bean condition was not uh, did not hop up quite as much was only up one percent which should be uh, certainly bullish for trade tonight it's but it's just at 51% good to excellent with after last week's 50%. And I'm trying to peel through these numbers. Uh, in Illinois still, if you look at corn condition in the state of Illinois, even with the improvement nationally this week, their corn crop, only 39% of it is good to excellent, and only 6% of it is in the excellent category. And you look at the poor and very poor, 26% uh, of their crop remains in poor to very poor condition. So if you look at the big states, uh, you know, Il Illinois in particular, they still have a long way to go. And as we head into pollination, obviously they are going to need, you know, uh, what, two to three inches a week to meet all of the plants' needs for, uh, you know, at least the next three weeks. And right now, the weather forecasts don't really show that. It's more spotty, uh, no widespread soaking rains that catch, you know, all the corners of the corn belt. Uh, so it, we'll, we'll see how this goes. Next week may be the real telltale because if it, uh, if the crop stays flat right here, uh, both of them stay flat with these ratings, then you'll you'll have to consider the fact that this the corn crop may be uh, trending below a 175 yield, which certainly uh, does not it, it is uh, five dollar corn is not indicative of a, one, a sub 175 crop. Well, clearly the weather is certainly impacting most of agriculture from east to west across the United States, uh, certainly impacting some of these grain markets. Uh, and you touched on it. You know, the weather reports are coming out. Uh, I was just looking at the drought monitor today. And uh, one on, on the bright side, I talked to some folks uh, out in Colorado. Uh, this is the first time, Jody, the state of Colorado has not been in a drought stricken uh, uh, frame framework. Uh, it's been a long time since that thing's not been painted red uh, from the USDA. Uh, 
weather service, so forth, uh, from a drought monitor perspective. And I look across western South Dakota, North Dakota, and even Montana, it all looks very normal, which that hasn't been the case for a long time. Certainly, there are some of those spots in eastern Nebraska and then a couple in Iowa and Illinois, but uh, broadly speaking, boy, the last week here, we've had some rains that have popped up across that market and uh, might, might, might be changing some things a little bit. Yeah, that that's certainly the case, and it's uh, it it was incredibly timely rain, and it's strange because I went back and looked through some some of my commentary through the past few years, but we seem to be right in this late June, early July time frame. That's really when the U.S. weather has been turning more favorable. And what we've seen after this, you know, we have gotten really good rains uh, late June, early July, the past several growing seasons after having really abnormally dry May and June in a couple of those. It's just a matter now, does the pattern revert back like it did last year? Because you remember the uh, the June, July swoon of prices, and then we rallied into harvest. So it, uh, you tell me how much it rains over the next six weeks, and uh, we can have a uh, we can uh, bet a bet a cold beer on whether we're going to get a one seventy eight or a one seventy three yield. Yeah, definitely, uh, Jody. You know, with all of this, uh, uh, you know, the acres transitioning as well as the impact of the weather. What's really happening with some of the grain markets? Who's the winners? Who's the losers right now? Uh, as it looks at grain, is concerned with corn, wheat, soybeans. Well, uh, wheat, you're uh, still under the harvest pressure situation, and around the world, those yields are coming in more, uh, a little lower on the early yields than they expected. So we haven't haven't gotten far enough in to see a definitive trend. But wheat uh, yields that I'm hearing are. Uh, outside of the most drought-stricken areas, a couple of those you just touched on, uh, a lot of western Kansas in particular, uh, the, the wheat yields are coming in solid in the U.S. And uh, But if you come out of the acreage and what's going on, corn uh, was hit the hardest and it drug wheat with it, while beans, on the other hand, since the report, when the acreage report came out, you had uh, beans up nearly uh, you know, uh, a, a, a little bit over a dollar in very short order, and we're trading right about thirteen fifty for November beans. Where December corn took off a dollar twenty five because of the rain and the acreage shift uh, to get, get all the way back to five dollars. So it's always a good news bad news situation because when you go back to the February insurance averages, corn is now ninety one cents below the February average. So you've got a floor 90 cents above where December corn futures are trading. And even with the huge rally in beans, beans are still 33 cents below the February crop average there. So this is a good time for everybody to really be patient with sales because uh, on whatever level of insurance you bought, whether it's 75, 80, 85 percent on your revenue coverage, you can sit and wait and see how this unfolds. And one of the strategies we talked about last time that the uh, dry weather rally hit, we sold 20 percent of the crop, added a little premium to it on a call option trade. And now uh, for the perfect position of that one, having sold it at uh, you know above six dollars. Uh, now, if you get the opportunity and the harvest price low was at uh, five bucks, all of a sudden you have a seven dollar corn sale almost. So there's always opportunities, and that's why you can't uh, throw it all in the fire at one time because there's just too much that goes on between uh, you know over the course of a. 15-month, 16-month calendar where you should be marketing your crops. Yeah, and that's a great point. And that's that's kind of why I want to mention uh, now's the time for growers to really don't throw in the, the white towel, so to speak, on some of these crops because, boy, there's a lot of yield to be made yet. Uh, you mentioned it. The weather looks promising across most of the U.S., uh, still a long way to go. Uh, now's, now's a great time for growers to be thinking about, you know, their fungicide applications, their insecticide applications, as well as their, you know, in-season nitrogen and, and uh, nutritional needs. So it's certainly 
don't be backing off the plan. Uh, yield is what it's really all about. Yeah, you get the uh, late uh, in between the rains and here forward if you add a figure out a way between product or uh, you know application, whatever the case may be, to add an additional uh, 10, 12 bushels an acre, even if on corn, even if price doesn't change, the next thing you know, you've added 50 or $60 to your bottom line. And that begins to, uh, you know, more than offset the uh, the dollar yield because it's or the dollar drop in price as you improve yield and it, there's always a, a careful ratio that we try to look at that uh, is painful to watch but the reality is your bottom line doesn't move that much when yields go up and price goes down right right well good insight there well jody certainly a lot going on there any uh, anything else on the weather uh, no, what I'm seeing is, and the reason why this crop didn't burn up in June and why people are still optimistic, even though there's several major drive, you know, uh, pockets and uh, areas, is that it's just not hot. We have not gotten into, into any, what you would call, uh, any length of time seasonal heat. Uh, granted, it's July 10th and we know it's coming. Uh, we got you know, six more weeks of summer or so. Uh, uh, and growing season. So we know some heat's coming, and and if the heat comes without the rain, then the bulls will be back in charge. But if the rain comes without the heat, then, you know, we're adding bushels, which means uh, rallies are going to struggle. So that that's really the big thing that I see in all the weather, because they've been, the weather forecasts have really been flip-flopping back and forth on how much and where rain over the next two weeks, but none of them have any heat. And if you if we stay away from the heat this year, we can still salvage a really, really good yield uh, despite the lack of water. Well, Jody, we certainly uh, thank you for joining us today here on FieldLink. We're looking forward to having you here in Memphis next week uh, at the Innovation Expo here at the Helena Products Group. You're going to be sitting down with Chip Flory from AgriTalk and uh, talking about more about the grain markets. Yeah, this is a tremendous opportunity and can't tell you how grateful I am to be able to talk with Chip and, uh, you know, and help expand Helena's reach and our footprint to all the stations and all the followers that he has. So I'm really looking forward to be on there. I'll try to be on my best behavior and not say anything <laughs> stupid. Well, uh, growers that are attending that expo will certainly be able to sit down with you and Chip uh, during lunch. We've got a good session for you to talk. And then, of course, you'll be going on live air with uh, Chip later in the afternoon uh, on AgriTalk, uh, on his network of radio stations and, of course, his podcast as well. So be sure to check out AgriTalk next week uh, on the 18th when uh, Jody sits down with Chip Flory. So, Jody, uh, once again, thanks a lot for joining us. We look forward to seeing you here in Memphis next week. Okay, Bill. Great. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on this episode of FieldLink. Be sure to make plans to join us for the Innovation Expo in Memphis, Tennessee on July 18th. Contact your Helena representative for a VIP ticket and register to attend this one-day-only event in Memphis at the Agri Center International as space is limited for this exclusive event. We hope to see you all in Memphis on July 18th.